Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! It's the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this week in racing and preview a big weekend next week. Uh, joining me in the studio, I've got Seth Eggert, Louise Torres, and Richard Uden. Fellas, how we doing? Doing good. Good, thank you. How about them Cowboys taking a no? How about those Cowboys, huh? <laughs> hey, this is not a football show. We covered this last week, but we are a racing show. I know. And there was the Cowboys a... don't look like they're playing football, in all fairness. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> Any, anywho, anywho, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the NASCAR race that was on in between all the football games. Um, and uh, so the, uh, the first piece of the puzzle is in place. Joey Logano will be part of that championship four, um, defending champion trying to win his second. Uh, so, uh, Seth, let's uh, – Let's talk about the weekend in Kansas. Well, at least for the truck series, we had uh, Brett Moffitt win after a spirited battle between him and Zane Smith. Uh, came down to the final few laps. Zane actually uh, tried to side draft him, and there, he made such a move on the backstretch, he spun himself out. Uh, Moffitt went on the win. Haley Deegan made her truck series debut, finished 16th with no practice. No qualifying, and a uh, right now fuel, and I believe she also lost second gear during green flag pit stops. So to at least get a top twenty finish is impressive, considering all of the issues around it. Uh, in the Xfinity series, Chase Briscoe won again. Uh, he's continuing his dominant streak. Uh, he essentially had the race in the bag after Noah Gregson and Austin Sindra crashed on lap 15. Uh, there was nobody standing in his way. Uh, you had Ryan Sieg, you had Harrison Burton, you had Ch- Ross Chastain get up there a little bit, but none of them could really do anything. Uh, there was one hell of a wreck, though. Uh, they tried going four wide on the restart. Allgaier was on the apron, forced himself up uh, the track into Anthony Alfredo. Alfredo went across the nose of Brandon Brown, uh, into Brandon Jones, into, there was one other car, I think Riley Herbst, and rolled onto his uh, roof. So that was probably the most dramatic moment of the weekend. Uh, the cup race was relatively tame. Uh in part because of the package. Granted, there was a lot of good racing at times, but it was just so hard to pass. Uh, once Logano got the lead at the end, that was it. Uh, Harvick couldn't get by him. Yeah, so Harvick, Harvick finished second, right? Keep himself in yes. a pretty good points position there. So uh, so we're, we're, we're talking about, so Logano's in. Harvick's relatively safe on points, as is Hamlin. Uh, you know, unless we have uh, two winners towards the bottom, uh, let's talk about the, the bottom four. Uh, who's who's really in a must-win? Well, the four that are in a must-win, at least for the Cup Series, Kurt Busch, he blew his engine uh, just past halfway in the Cup race, which nowadays blowing an engine, at least in the Cup Series, is virtually unheard of for the major teams. Uh Martin Truex Jr., Alex Bowman, they're both about 30 points behind the cutoff right now. Uh, 
So they are definitely in. I don't want to say must win at Martinsville or, or at Texas, I should say, but if they're still in that position in Martinsville, they will. Chase Owens only eight behind, so he could still point his way in. Yeah, Chase Chase has a, you know, uh, Martinsville is a really good track for him as well. He performed very well there in the past, so I'm sure he's got that one circled on his calendar saying, yeah, if I don't uh, do well at Texas, Martinsville is it, all or nothing. As long as he doesn't have the bad luck Grimms, which I, honestly, this applies to just to the whole state of Georgia. Elliot is that last hope of bringing some <laughs> sort of good luck. But it's that round of eight he needs to get through. I feel like he can get the job done, but as far as Curtis is concerned, he has to win. No question. Otherwise, he's done for. Uh, it's been a noble season for him. Yeah, Kurt has had a pretty decent season, you know, even uh... – you know, with uh, you know pulling off the win earlier earlier in the year, and he's uh, he's he's known to just you know just pull a win out of thin air every now and again. You know, he's, he certainly doesn't win as often as he did in the early 2000s, but uh, he's still right up there, still a major contender. But yeah, I, he's really got uh, he's got the potential to, to win this thing at Texas and uh, you know punch his card for the Final Four. Yeah, and what we saw at the last Texas race, it is possible. Just be brave on the pit strategy. Get that clean air, you'll be fine. Right. Now we've never we've never had a Ganassi car in the championship four, have we, or have we? We have not. No. Yeah, so that's that, uh, that would be huge for that team there if uh, Kurt were able to uh, push that through. Yeah, and, and if they would, Larson probably would have had a championship considering how good he was at Homestead. And and to add to that, uh, not only have we not had a Ganassi car ever in the top uh, or in the uh, championship four, but we have not had a Chevrolet in the championship for, I think, since 2016. Or, that sounds about right. Yeah, there have, have been an awful lot of Toyotas and Fords in there. Yeah, because I think they switched to Fords in either 17 or 18. Stuart Haas did. Uh, 17. So, yeah, there you go. 16 would have had to be it because Johnson won the championship. Of course, Harvick made it the first three years to mo- – no, the first two years. Yes, this is true. Uh, now, we are getting some uh, – you know, towards the end of the season, getting some more silly season news. So, a uh, pretty big announcement um, for um, Richard Petty Motorsports. So, uh, who wants to uh, fill us in on that? That will be none other than Eric Jones, who will be making the jump for Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota to now to Richard Petty Motorsports Chevrolet to replace Bubba Wallace. Which, honestly, this is probably one of the more better rides out there, considering there aren't a lot. And if you had guys like Tony Stewart saying how the developmental program at Toyota is all a hot mess right now. Jones getting away from that atmosphere tried to assure to everyone that he is this talented driver by making something that isn't typically competitive into a contender, which don't no discredit to Bubba Wall. He has definitely done an excellent job for what he has, but now more than ever with Jones, who doesn't bring much funding, he's going to have to really assure to everyone. He is a top tier driver and these types of equipments. Yeah. Now Jones isn't horrible. He's uh, I recall him winning a race. I recall him winning a pole or two. Uh, so uh, definitely, you know, he, he knows what he's doing behind the wheel, but, but again, you know, Petty is, Probably third tier, you know, they're not quite fourth tier, but uh, you know, they're certainly not a top tier team. But it, but it, like you said, it's a decent landing spot for him, you know, when compared to uh, you know being rideless or going back to Xfinity. And I think that also confirms that Petty's staying with Chevrolet for next year as well, haven't they? Well, Petty is staying with Chevrolet. They are still going to be on the RCR campus. So, yeah, there had been some talk of them going to Toyota, hadn't they? But, uh... There was, but I think that was contingent on if uh, Bubba stayed with Chevrolet. Um, with or not with Chevrolet, yeah. with uh, RPM, yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. Is, the, uh, is the new uh, Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan team, are they, are they confirmed as Toyota? or? They are not confirmed as Toyota. However, um, David Wilson of TRD had a zoom teleconference about two weeks ago and the teams he would name he would uh 
say Joe Gibbs Racing and the team I can't talk about. Uh, you also have yeah. Uh... Yeah, for all yeah, it's pretty clear. But obviously, we don't know. You're gonna have to wait as far as to Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's manufacturer is concerned. But uh, yeah, pretty obvious. But we don't know. I could be dead wrong. Like I've been at times in this show. No, we, we we could all be dead wrong, yeah. But I mean, you know, all the smart money points to Toyota, given Hamlin's involvement, and he's you know been in the Toyota camp for quite a while. Uh, so. And what I was going to say is, uh, Joe Gibbs has already said uh, that he's welcoming Bubba back to the fold. So there's a little a lot of impl- implied uh, that it is going to be a Toyota team. Uh, also, this past weekend popped up on. Uh, Twitter, uh, our friend NASCAR man who works with uh, uh, Brockbeard quite a bit on the YouTube docs uh, found the trademark for 2311 Racing yes. and and a trademark for the number 23. Uh, I so, thought it would be yeah. trademarked, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean... It's at the end of the day, it's just... Well, a, it's it, just it is trademarked, yeah. but it's not trademarked in racing. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's because I imagine because gonna, of the Jordan uh, brand and Nike. If they ever run two cars, are they going to use uh, the number that Jordan used in his first part of his comeback season? Uh, 45. Well, <laughs> that was <laughs> that it, yeah. Well, or number 12 for that one year, but that was a Penske ride. Well, not to interrupt, but if we look at Denny Hamlin's iRacing team, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because that is actually sponsored by Jordan Brand. Uh, you have one car which runs the 23, and the other one runs the 32 in as a reverse number. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, and that would make sense, but of course you have a cup team already is the 32. Currently, yes. Well, if Michael Jordan's asked you if I can have the number 32, you doesn't take too much convincing, does it? Oh, well, it, no, it's, it's I mean, Michael Jordan probably has it's to write a check for that. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. Well, Michael Jordan said, may I buy the number 32? And they said, why, well, yes, Michael, you've got money in for the all we, yeah, For all we know, Michael Jordan could buy number 12 since he wore that jersey for one game only. I'm sure he'll coast Roger Penske to sell the 12 he wanted to. Of course, it's not going to be the 12. He only wore it once. Or... But yeah, who knows how about how about that horror deal? But when that time comes, I think it'll be quite the talk because then, because everybody loves paint schemes and liveries, so when that time comes, I think everybody will be enamored by it. Oh, it's going to be good. I mean, that's going to be, you know, they better have a big garage at uh, Daytona next year because people are going to be swarming all over that, aren't they? <laughs> have, they have they announced the primary sponsor? Is it going to be they have brands or? Well, they have not. It, the thing is, Bubba's bringing a lot of his sponsors mm-hmm. with him. DoorDash, Cash App, Columbia Sportswear, Kingsford. He just signed a deal with Root Insurance. Uh, he has quite a few sponsorships, yeah. and Coca-Cola for that matter. I think they're going to be all here. secondary sponsors, aren't they? You know, somebody like Michael Jordan's not going to create a team and not run his own brand. You know, they... they will be associated sponsors i think and secondary oh, sponsors sure. they may not even get anywhere near the car they could probably just you know a lot of these teams you know a lot of these companies will probably just run it as hey look we're associated with michael jordan they're, they're probably going to want to run that they're associated with michael jordan more than that, they are that they're associated with a race team that or maybe even a split sponsorship uh, uh jordan brand on the hood and whichever Sponsor might rotate uh, on the, yeah. the rear. Yeah, yeah. Kind the only thing is, you wonder if you know, from a marketing standpoint, would that devalue the Jordan brand? I mean, maybe, maybe that not. Is, I mean, that look, is true. You're look, not, look at some of the other. Reasons. Look at some of the other companies Michael Jordan's been associated with in the past, and they're 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 big big dollar companies. Uh, McDonald's, yeah, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, yeah. you know, well, Nike, you know, you know, so. And another interesting note I do want to make uh, because. Uh, it was actually written that this trademarking was out there. Uh, I forget which news outlet uh, had actually reported on it, and this was after it started popping up on Twitter. Uh, apparently, Michael Jordan has said 
uh, and I, I might be misquoting this, but apparently he has said that he's making an initial investment for the first year of $150 million. No way. Yeah, this, no. You, no. you well, probably feel that F1 effort. Well, that yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. He has to, he has to build a shop because it can't be out of the Gibbs shop. That's next. To, uh, in, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. so a, a typical a, a midfield team in NASCAR runs on a budget of between twenty and thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, I know that. I know that. So a shop. I mean, you'd rent one. I there mean, are loads. There are well, loads. with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Loads and loads well, here's and loads the of disused race shops around. I drove past one today. Well, here's here's the thing that I am going to say, though. Like I said, I, I I don't remember the outlet that quoted this. Uh, it It's not one that I read a lot, so I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into it. But I'm wondering if that wasn't meant to be the first year, but maybe like the first three or four years. Yeah. I mean, that would be three years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That, that would make more sense. Because that's just three years with a big invest, push. Investment oh, I know, I know what the yet. problem is. I know, I know where that number's... They haven't included my salary yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all wish we had $150 million right yeah. now. And Michael, if you're listening to the show, Frank's got my number. It's all good. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, yeah, because Michael contacts me all the time. Yeah, he called me up and said, yo, Frank, yeah. what's up? So, anyway... Uh, let's uh, let's move away from talking about uh, Michael Jordan and let's talk about Kyle Larson. Uh, so Kyle Larson has uh, applied for reinstatement. He has been officially reinstated by NASCAR, although there's not been a solid news on a landing spot for him, but a lot uh, of a lot of rumors uh, on where Kyle Larson is going to end up. So let's uh, let's let's dig into that, fellas. Now the reinstatement is effective January first, two thousand twenty-one. I do want to point or include that, but uh, he has done quite a bit uh, working on getting back to NASCAR uh, after he absent after he used the racial slur on iRacing. Uh, he went and he met with Bubba. He met he uh, met with Willie T. Ribs, uh, the former CEO of Def Jam Records. Uh, the family of George Floyd. I, I could keep listing. The, li- the list has to be somewhere around 50 to 75 people, uh, whether it's di- people that do diversity training, uh, racial sen- sensitivity training. Uh, the-, the list goes on and on. He has worked extremely hard to come back. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't feel like he was... Uh truly a racist to begin with, you know, he was certainly insensitive using that term, you know, and and, in in a joking fashion with his buddy. Yeah. And that was certainly misguided. uh, uh, You know, maybe you and your buddies shouldn't refer to one another uh, racial slurs because it's at the end of the day, it's not funny. You know, it's not funny, yeah. and it's a word that hurts a lot even of people, if it, so. even if it's even if it's used in Australia, because that's what I think Lars has said on a national television that it's some sort of a thing in Australia. But yeah. either way, it's kind of no. A, the, there is a big difference between being a racist and saying something racist. Certainly, you know, yeah, unfortunately, but, yeah, and uh, I think yeah. Kyle has has fallen foul of that. Um, and you know, as as Seth was saying, you know, he's. He's gone to great lengths to um, educate himself better, um, and and hopefully, you know, we can turn this unfortunate situation and you know what was the soccer nine month suspension into a positive for the for him and the sport as a whole, and he can you know be a uh, you know a conduit for uh, you know good really, um, you know hopefully make make light of a, of a bad situation here, and um, you know I think in reality there's probably only one seat that he's going to end up getting next year and uh you know I, I think he'll get quite a bit of publicity for that and uh, 
Yeah, which is probably why, if such ride, there might there's a probably a good reason why the certain number will have to change, mostly for marketing purposes. Now, I, mean, I, I keep hearing that he may be running the number five. Uh, you yeah, I've heard five. I've heard fifty-seven. I've heard twenty-five. The, those are the I three that I've five heard. When, uh, I think it'd be the five because they've already had that one in house recently. Okay, I think Casey Kane was the last guy to use that. Yeah, Casey Kane was oh, the yeah. last one to run. Yeah, and it's the original was, car was, number. Yeah, from five was back to Terry Labonte days, yeah. Jeff right. goes all, yeah, actually it goes all the way back to the beginning of Hendrick yep. Motorsports. Uh, but the, what I was going to say is Hendrick has also dr- uh, run the 57 uh, printing, the Bush series, back in 05 and 06. But the 57 is also Kyle Larson's number. In uh, mm-hmm. spring cars, so and I think Chase Elliott used the 25 for a couple of races, didn't they? When he was a yeah. rookie, the he final year they allowed five cars. Yeah, yeah. So there are different scenarios that make sense. Uh, but as you say, from you know, from a marketing standpoint, was that 88 is still a very coveted number for for Dale Jr. And that you can understand them probably wanting to distance themselves a little bit from that. Mm-hmm. That. And speaking of distancing themselves and everything that Larson has done right, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Mike Wallace, who seemingly has done uh, it. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, yeah. He's never done anything wrong, has he? Mike I'm... was also suspended for uh, essentially using a racial slur, although the Facebook post in question was deleted and NASCAR has not stated what it was. Mike Wallace appealed it, and on the appeals panel was Bill Lester. <laughs> yeah, he appealed uh, it twice, I think, right? Yeah, he, he then appealed it to the uh, uh, head of the appeals panel, and that one got denied as well. And then this past weekend, he was filmed... Uh, at a dirt track where he's running for Brandon Hightower, who also is no longer in NASCAR, and continued to uh, attack NASCAR, Bubba Wallace, uh, John Bobo of NASCAR, and others. What was the basis of appeal? Freedom of speech or something, wasn't it? I don't think, yeah. he, I don't think his appeal don't think was he... based around the fact he admitted to doing anything wrong, was it? I think that's half the problem. Yeah, that and also... Uh, he doesn't want to go to sensitivity training. Uh, he, after his first appeal was denied, his defense was uh, using Bubble Wallace calling a certain person in the country a name after that person tweeted attacks at him. Yeah. Boo-hoo, kids. Come on, and, throw it. And yeah, Mike, Mike has had yeah, a Mike reputation a... Yeah. going back to, like, 1994, where he's probably, some people will view him kind of a sexist man due to the fact that he probably might have been jealous of the fact that Shauna Robinson started on the pole in Atlanta and deliberately made it three wide, so to make, to prove a point, and it cost Shauna a good possible run and also took out Joe Nemechek, and Nemechek made it clear that Mike had an agenda 26 years ago at Atlanta. So, yeah. Yeah, and isn't this the same guy that had the big flap, got in prison for getting in a big fight at a concert a couple of years ago? Too? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's just, he's been a bit of a train wreck. You know, maybe, maybe he needs to sit down and uh, take a, a good f- hard look at his lifestyle and, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet there's a few, I bet there's a few, hell of a super speedway that, racer, but his but, personality. Not so much. Yeah. I bet there's a few, I bet there's a few guys in NASCAR towers aren't exactly too unhappy with the situation. I don't God, we got rid of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, not to, they're looking for a reason, but you know, they're trying to reimagine their image. You know, with all the work that's gone on, we've talked about it in the last uh, six to nine months, and the last thing you want is is the old guard sort of kicking and screaming, isn't it? Yeah, and that's essentially what. Well, I shouldn't say essentially that to a certain point, that is what Mike Wallace has done, although he hasn't explicitly told his story per se. It's more he's just continued either complaining about NASCAR moving into a more inclusive direction 
or continued attacking they? bubble walls. It's amazing. And, <laughs> and just to be clear, bubble Wallace has no relation to Mike Wallace. Uh, in case anybody listening is a little confused, yeah. uh, completely different families. Completely different. I mean, it's families, like a, yeah. it's like when you catch a five-year-old doing something wrong, and you ask, "Did you do that?" No, knowing full well that you know, it just keeps on saying, "No, I didn't do anything wrong," when everybody knows they did. Just golly, what? Uh, whatever. It's beyond me. Moving on. <laughs> Yeah, man, it makes you wonder how, you know, Rusty Wallace and Kenny Wallace are <laughs> relatively normal. You wonder what happened to Mike. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, always been the case, even though Kenny has had his instances sometimes. Yeah, Kenny's, and a, little, was, Kenny's a little high-strung, you know. And, and, all. and what I was going to say is Kenny Wallace isn't necessarily normal. Uh, he, he is, uh, like you said, high-strung, uh, bounces off the walls a little bit. Um as far as Rusty is concerned, he's always been normal. But, the serious, business-minded kind of guy. But, but also, then, but then you also have Stephen Wallace. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also isn't isn't Rusty's older son also and kind of been questioned as well? Greg Wallace, uh, yeah. recently, yes. That's okay. I remember the name, but I couldn't remember exactly who it was. But I remember it was the older, the older son of Rusty that I've been hearing a lot as well. But anyways, but that's is weird times. I tell you, I tell well, you maybe what. They, maybe they could have their own reality show. You know, them crazy Wallaces, we call it. Oh jeez, so, oh, we, yeah, yeah. we're going to get the Bradshaws, uh... but now we're going <laughs> to mention the Wallaces. Talk right, about so... different stories. All right, so let's let's move on forward. Okay, so now uh, Chase Briscoe has won the uh, Xfinity race. Does that lock him into the playoffs, or are mm-hmm. they they're still? A yes, it does. Okay, so uh, truck race. Are we in? Are locking Final Four in trucks yet, or no? Yes. Yeah, well, uh, so Moffat is locked in. All right, so we're headed to Texas. Yes. And all, for all three all, series. Are all three series racing in Texas. Yes. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's preview Texas real quick, and then. Uh, then after that, we'll move on and talk about the IndyCar season finale coming up. So Texas, Seth, what should we what should we look for at Texas? I mean, the the package at Kansas was a bit disappointing. Uh, Texas is not wildly different than Kansas, but it is a bit different. Uh, do you see? We'll, you think we'll see a better quality racing at Texas than we did at Kansas? I'm honestly not sure, and I'm not too optimistic right now because. Texas, in recent years, has primarily been a one-groove racetrack uh, since the repave. And with the tires that Goodyear has been bringing, and no, I'm not knocking Goodyear, but the tires that they've been bringing, uh, along with the traction compound on the racing surface, if you get out of that groove, you're going straight to the wall where you're spinning out. So uh, I'm not entirely sure what to expect because it's such a narrow groove you can maybe fit two cars next to each other if they're literally up against each other. Uh, if I'm not saying it would be follow the leader, but it might be more of a strategy race similar to what we saw with Austin Dillon earlier this year. Yeah, I think what RCR did that t- that summer, I think w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same, especially if there's a late green flag, late caution flag, because I think they found kind of not necessarily exposed the system, but they found something that I wouldn't be surprised if we see a good amount of it, because if we see something like we did follow the leader, single file, if you hit a certain point at the track, you're, you're going to lose control. Then that's probably the only way you can do it. It's kind of started to sound like that IndyCar race at Texas as well. One group, follow the leader. If you go high, you're probably going to wreck the thing. Yeah. You know, it seems like that, that really the, the repave, has really taken a lot of the character out of Texas, and it's going to take a few years for them to kind of kind of wear that track back down to where it's uh, we'll see some better racing. But you know, it's it's a it's a it's a double-edged sword because you you've got to repave a track every now and again, uh, but the first few years after repave are never you know never produce the best racing. So no, that is true, and I think that's the fear that Atlanta Motor Speedway are going to have eventually. Eventually, when they have, have to. to repave Atlanta, yeah. Well, 
which is in part why they moved the race from Kentucky to Atlanta because they are recognizing that they're going to have to repave soon. So they're trying to maximize the racing service that they have now before they repave. So they're pretty much going to, I know probably what's going to happen is probably they're going to run it and it's going to, we're going to have a 2010 Daytona 500 all over again. And then they're going to finally repave it. I don't know if we're going to have that. And the reason why I'm saying that is Atlanta's surface is uh, among the oldest on uh, the NASCAR circuit. True. I think only I think only Dover's older, but Dover's concrete, so that's different. But yeah. uh, Atlanta, uh, they where it's the oldest surface on the the circuit, they have had a lot of experience filling potholes, uh, oh. filling cracks that they might be able to recognize it before the race starts and do repairs before we end up having a mid-race red flag for repair. Yeah, and I, I totally understand it. It makes you wonder and, and kind of amaze how at Daytona they went over three decades without having such a serious problem because I think before the 2000, the 2010-2011 repave, the last time Daytona was repaved was in 1978 to my knowledge. Correct. Yeah, so they made it 30 years, but it's a different track, different style that – 30 years it's well, well of a reach for it, it's Atlanta. all not just that it's also a different uh climate that's mm-hmm. probably the bigger factor as well uh you would actually expect with florida being as rainy as it is uh for it to be more worn but again they also use a different uh aggregate in the pavement so th- there's a lot of factors yeah mm-hmm. i want to say the the places that have uh Less harsher winters, you know, can go a lot longer without a repave. Yeah, I'd imagine so. All right, so so anyway, so we're racing in Texas. So, Richard, you're being quiet over there, so you get the first pick for Texas. Do we have another championship contender mark his card to the, you know, to to the big dance, or do we have uh, a spoiler come in? And somebody outside of the uh, the top eight win the race. Kostowski. All right. Yeah, that'd be two for two for Penske. And Seth, what do you think? Well, Harvick's won the last three uh, Texas playoff races, so I'm going to go with Harvick. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Harvick. And uh, Louise? I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin bouncing back from a slap at the wall that kind of cost him a shot of being right up in the front. Bounces back with a wind that will set him up for Phoenix. All right, sounds good. And I will go with Kurt Busch just because I mentioned it earlier that he needs to pull one out of midair uh, to go on. You know, that's more of a sentimental pick than a than a smart pick. But uh, so uh, racing at Texas this weekend, all three series. And also racing this coming weekend will be the IndyCar series for their final race of the year after all of the uh, – all the COVID cancellations and, and the whole West Coast swing being canceled. We managed to uh, get 14 races this season, a lot of them being double headers. Uh, St. Pete was supposed to be the season opener. The track was built and ready, you know, back in March, right as the, the, the virus uh, struck. Uh, they actually got a practice session in and, and the last minute canceled this thing. So now it ends up as the season ender. They built the track again. It's ready to go. Um, Scott Dixon is looking to win his sixth championship, putting him in rare company. Um, now, A.J. Foyt has seven USAC champions, championships, although it can be argued that Foyt's 79 championship was a, was a bit of a gimme uh, because uh, there were only, I think, 7.10 USAC races that year. Foyt did win five of them, but the bulk of the uh, more competitive cars were running the kart series that year. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Foyt still has seven. Um, but uh, this uh, number six for Dixon, if he pulls it off, um, puts him uh, right there, right behind uh, right behind AJ. Now, Louise, what are your thoughts on a clinching scenario, St. Pete race, um, debut of Scott McLaughlin? I say the only way Dixon does not pull this thing off is if he cracks under pressure. I mentioned this a couple of times that as of late, he has cracked under pressure. Like 
He's been outsmarted. He hasn't had the greatest results. He's made several mistakes down the stretch, whereas Joseph Newgarden has capitalized at every opportunity he has. Despite the fact that Newgarden is the defending winner, it's going to take a lot, a lot for Dixon to not win this championship, and it goes to Newgarden. Yes, Dixon has never won a St. Pete. He's finished runner-up plenty of times. Four times, four times to be exact. Yep, thank you. Just will take it for that one. But I honestly don't – even if it's an okay result, I think Dixon will be just fine. I think he does have his sixth championship, which will make him the first guy to win the championship by leading the championship trail from start to finish, something that Montoya could have done, but if it wasn't for a tangle, if if Will Power and him didn't tangle at Sonoma. So this sixth title will be an an unprecedented feat, not just because he's won away from Asia, but also leading it from start to finish, which is really difficult, especially where there's no double where where there's no double points on the line. So that's from the gimmick standpoint. Thank goodness we don't have to worry about that. But it does put more pressure of Newgarden to do a lot more to get that title. As a matter of fact, if Dixon has problems and he finishes outside the top ten and Newgarden wins then I will be as impressed with Newgarden winning that championship because he capitalized when it really mattered most. Yeah, Whereas Dixon, yeah. unfortunately... But I, mean, I think if... if uh, uh, I think if, if, if Dixon doesn't win, win it'd be a travesty. Because there's no doubt, with the, the way they came out of the box at the start of the season and the way yeah. they've managed the, re- with the him season and Michael from Cannon, there on in. was looking great. Yeah, you know, I, I think they've got to take a huge... You know, I think... At the end of the day, the person that deserves the title is the one that has the most points at the end of the season. But I think from a a pure performance standpoint, you know, you cannot look past Dixon. I, I really think if he doesn't win it, then it's uh, a little bit unjust. You know, you've got to give credit to, you know, as you said, Newgarden where it deserves because, you know, he's picked up the pieces uh, when they become available. But, um, you know, Dixon has been incredibly impressive. Uh, oh, you know, sure. As people look- start people start sort of questioning him, you know, as he gets older, you know, he, he's, he's driving as well as anybody right now. Yeah. The funny thing yeah. is they're, they're saying Dixon's in a slump right now. His last four races have been unimpressive. His last four finishes were all in the top 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's just it's the fact that he just made mistakes. Eighth and ninth and he called that a slump. But for, for and, Dixon, you know, you I guess guarantee, it is. No, but you could also guarantee that if, there was more on the line, if you like, or less on the line, and you know he was battling a little bit closer for points. He may have had better finishes. You know, yeah. maybe the reason that he's you know finishing sort of you know mid, you know fifth to tenth sort of thing is because okay, guys, I'm not going to you know do a throw a hail mary strategy here. I'm not going to dive up the inside into turn one when I don't need to. I'm just going to manage my point situation. Yeah, and, the pros uh, yeah, approach. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, the pros approach. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if he wins if, by two if, points, he's won by one point too many. <laughs> yeah. So if you uh, if you look at Dixon's career, I was I was just looking at his uh, his finishing record, and it, it's pretty staggering when you consider 18 years in the I in the Indy Racing League, you know, discounting his season and a half so far. Um, he's finished on the podium 40 percent of the time. 40 percent of his entire career is, is ended up with a podium finish. That is staggering. What's, uh, what's Hamilton's yeah, podium ratio? Especially the way IndyCar has been where guys can go, the fact that he's done it at 40% is stacked. And as far as Hamilton's percentage, I'm not quite sure, but I would imagine it would be right up there. The only thing that will knock him down is just the, the couple years that Butting was the class of the field for McLaren in the late in the early 20-teens before he went to Mercedes in 2013. Yeah. Yeah, it's still very impressive. The only uh, As far as the other news, as far as IndyCar is concerned, Scott McLaughlin will finally make his anticipated debut. What was supposed to be at the GMR Grand Prix during the month of May before everything went down is now going to happen at the finale. It's a street course, the only street course, and also he's fresh off finishing fifth at the Bathurst 1000, which was won by SVG and who? Why can I not remember the other guy's name? Garth. That, that other guy, yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I, I, I think I think Tanner Garth. Yeah. I don't, uh, quick, quick stat stat update. Hamilton has 61% percent uh, podium finishes. Well, choose I sell him short. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah, but. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, yeah. the, the IndyCar field is a bit deeper 
more competitive, yes, for sure. I don't think the field is, but the cars are equal, you know. Yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. Which is why you probably see guys come and go, which just makes the Dixon one as impressive because there's so many of them that have their skids, and when they have their skids, they get shoved at the door, whereas Dixon has been super consistent for pretty much almost his entire career. 100%, yeah. 100%. So there's some silly season things. Now, we said Scott McLaughlin is debuting with the Penske. In the IndyCar, he's already a Penske driver, drives for them in the uh, Australian Supercars. Which, you know, a lot of folks are saying that you know Penske will expand to four cars with Scott full time uh, in 2021. It's it's not a done deal, you know, it's not uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, but certainly he has been represented by Shell Pennzoil in the um, the Australian series, and they will be he will be flying those colors in St. Pete. So. Uh, He's already coming in with. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, a, a sponsor for the guy, so that uh, that appears to be a lock, you know, give or take. The um, uh, the McLaren situation is settled with uh, Rosenqvist taking the the Askew seat, but there's still talk of a, a third car. Uh, Michael Shank has been talking about a second car on a part-time basis, and he's um, trying to he's flip-flopping on whether he wants to get a veteran in there. You know, like an Elio Castroneves or a Tony Kanaan, or if he wants to get a young guy and plan for the future. And if you want a young guy plan for the future, you've got uh, guys like uh, Oliver Askew, certainly, who's looking for work. Um, you've got Zach Veach, who's looking for work. Um, you got Spencer Piggott, who's uh, looking for work. Um, yeah, I don't know if any of those guys would be a good fit at Shank. Or you've also got, you know, other guys in, in, in other series. You know, speaking of which, the formula e champion uh what's his name felix um felix da costa something like that felix, i know it's felix costa. DaCosta, DaCosta. yeah something like yeah, that t- testing a re- testing yeah. the ray hall car uh next month uh, and he's quite excited about that i mean that's uh that that'll be i don't know if that'll materialize into a ride ray hall has often you know stated the the desire to run a three car team he's just not had the funding mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they've been pretty good at funding their two cars with uh, rotating sponsorships. Uh, you know, I think uh, Graham Rahal probably has uh, more sponsors over the course of the season than uh, some of the NASCAR guys, but uh, they've just not been able to uh, get some funding for the third guy. So I'm not sure if this um, uh, this Felix Costa coming over from Formula E has some funding. He may indeed have some funding. I think there is. Yeah, there is there. Yeah, he's uh, he's been around through the junior series. He's He's you know, very very solid driver, but uh, even through the junior series, he's he's been known as well being uh, well funded. And I, I did like his press release. You know, it's 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 been my dream to drive, you know, to drive an IndyCar. And I think they missed out the little asterisks and said uh, after Formula One in parentheses there, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to see that sort of merging. And as us, I think we discussed a couple of weeks ago when it was first announced. You know, you could well see a lot of these guys doing split seasons you know doing indycar and formula read i know this season's with covid and everything the seasons have been a little bit staggered but um the original plan was that formula read will be a winter series and i know andretti uh, who run a formula read team they uh the, the guys that run indycar the plan is that they run formula read during the off season um so yeah hopefully a few more guys can maybe migrate across because there's some really really good drivers kicking around in formula e right now yeah yeah it'll definitely be racing in formula e you know if you don't mind the 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 silent nature of watching it the uh those guys actually uh do a pretty good job i've seen some pretty entertaining yeah oh good you know you look at you know half of them are you know the red bull junior program rejects um (laughs) some really really good drivers in there as well and uh, yeah you know a lot of Formula One endurance races, uh, you know, even guys like Takuma Sato have driven Formula E in the past. Um, so, you know, it's it's a good level of competitiveness. So uh, hopefully, we'll I say we'll we'll see a little bit more because then what it, that does is that obviously gives a little bit more exposure to both series and they can piggyback off each other and grow together. Yeah, Mike, same exact thoughts. Like if guys want to try either one, they could cross promote, and it's a it's a bit of a massive stretch. Who knows? Maybe one day we'll see a double header between those guys. It's a super stretch, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only drawback you have is that Formula E, yeah, Formula E tries to do more street circuits and, you know, with the whole concept of having zero emissions, like in a city center, you know, you have like 
I don't know if they do it, but the plan was for Rome to drive around the Colosseum, not actually around the inside of the Colosseum in Rome, but around the outside, on the outside of the Colosseum. Where, yeah, see, the, um, the, inside, you know, the inside of the Colosseum probably needs a repave because it's a bit worse. Than yeah, that probably it's it like Atlanta. Atlanta yeah. Probably needs a little bit of little bit of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. We could come by San Francisco and Seattle, which needs all sorts of repaves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Drive yeah, down so. the. Uh, but um. The yeah, other, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the other thing I want to mention is that you know the Foyt team is a bit up in the air with their second car. Uh, we don't know if uh, it's going to be Charlie Kimball, and we do know Sebastian Bourdais will be their team leader next year. Um, Kimball would like to return um, in in the other car. He's uh, I believe he's still funded. Uh, I believe the team is a little is, is sort of happy with Charlie, but but there's there's a, a, a underlying rumor that that other car will be split between um, Tony Kanaan in the ovals and Pietro Fittipaldi who will be returning to the series. Um, oh, that wouldn't that be something? Because I still feel bad that he never got a shot at the Indianapolis 500 because of his spa crash. So that would be great for him. I mean, he'll be doing a lot more than being just a test driver for Haas at this point. Yeah, and he did yeah. pretty all right with Dale Coyne in 2018 as well. No, he wasn't too bad. He wasn't too bad, yeah. yeah. When he was but, filling in for Bourdais and all those guys. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, you know, Fittipaldi is another one of those strong uh, names associated in racing, and, uh, you know, it would be good to have him back in the series. Uh, you know, I hate to see Charlie Kimball kicked to the curb, but, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, Charlie has been a bit unimpressive here and there. Yeah, he's been serviceable. He's had some flashes. He has some pretty good runs, but it's kind of like the Kimmel way sometimes. And obviously, as far as Fittipaldi, there was definitely not Sebastian Bourdais. Bourdais' ordeal was 17, so correction on my end. But Kimmel has been serviceable. The Foyt team has deeper problems than than their drivers. Oh, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) uh, You know, but we all know that. So that's that's a developing story. Who's going to be – I don't know if Dalton Kellett will be – uh, welcome back or not. Uh, Kellett certainly has not done anything to show that he deserves a seat other than none of the checks have bounced. You know, he's uh, he's certainly the, the K-Line money, which is the uh, cor- corporation up in Canada that his family owns, um, has paid a good deal of money that's helping AJ keep the cars on the track. So, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll just see how that goes with Foyt. And then, of course, the end... It, the open seat at Andretti, uh, Zach Veach's seat. You know, Hinchcliffe has uh, been mentioned for that, but he's not a lock because uh, Connor Daly has also been mentioned for that seat. Um, although Connor is also, Ed Carpenter is trying to work hard to keep Connor and get him a full time ride there, right? So, which uh, if Connor gets a full time ride elsewhere, that leaves the, a part time ride open at Carlin. You know, for somebody to, to take those uh, take those oval races that uh, Max Chilton doesn't want to run. So there's uh, a lot of moving pieces uh, coming there. You know, uh, uh, Michael Andretti has said uh, here and there that he'd like to actually expand to six cars, um, but he's you know you need to make sure he can finance the five first. So we'll just uh, see what happens there. So yeah. Grand Prix of St. Pete coming up. Who do you like to, for the win, Louise? I I probably like. Rosequist, he remember last year he could have probably won that race, and with this being his final race with Ganassi, I think I would not be awfully surprised if he's right up there. So, I say a good swan song for his tenure Ganassi would be with a W, and my championship pick is Dixon. All right, Richard. Uh, Rossi for the win. Rossi for the win, right, and you like uh, Dixon or Newgarden for the championship? Dixon. Come Obviously, on, yeah. Come really? on, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, they said there's like almost 2,000 finishing scenarios based on the, uh, uh, you know, the amount of cars starting, which is 24, the amount of the different combinations that all the cars can finish, and only 1%, 1% of the scenarios uh, equal New Garden winning the championship. So yeah. with that being said, I'll pick Dixon for my championship favorite, but I'll, I'll pick um, Will Power for the win. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. So, Formula One. So, sorry, quick, quick, sorry, quick question on the indicator. Sorry, on the, I don't know if you know this. So, if say Dixon like gets taken out at the first corner by Rosenquist out of spite, 
Um, Which I do have that feeling. Remember, <laughs> that's why I said power in Montoya could happen. Yeah, yeah. It could, it could where happen, would, yeah. Uh, where would Newgarden have to finish? I think he needs to finish. If Dixon finishes last, I think Newgarden needs to finish on the podium. I, I believe he needs to finish uh, no, no, okay. lower, no lower than third. So it's not like he has to finish fourth, eighth yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah and so, who's, you know, so he's still. I mean, at the end of the day, he's got to he's got to go and win the race. He, uh, he, yeah, his, yeah, that's Dixon his job. Dixon needs to go for the win and hope that. Um, I'm sorry, Newgarden needs to go for the win at yeah. all costs, and he needs a little help from Dixon in the form of some sort of trouble. You know, whether it be a mechanical or a long pit stop mm-hmm. or a flat tire or a or a off course excursion. Uh, he, or a he, caution uh, that during uh, pit ca- stop. A caution that buries him in the field, yeah. yeah. So. But and, I think, I think at also, the end of the day, Dixon needs to, what, finish ninth? Around inside the top ten, so yeah, it's going to take think, a lot. Yeah, I think if Dixon finishes ninth, it's over. So. Yeah, and also as far as the whole ordeal, it may not be Rosa Quest. Don't forget, Erickson is a street course. You know the Formula One stigma. It's always his fault in some capacity, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you'll take Grosjean out again. Yeah, out of no, out of nowhere. Speaking <laughs> of Grosjean, speaking of Grosjean, yeah, that's our next topic. Portugal. Portugal. That's our next Beautiful. topic. Yep. So Formula One is off to Portugal, uh, and Haas yeah. has made it pretty clear that uh, Grosjean and uh, Magnussen will not be continuing with the team. Um, who do you, who do you realistically like for that uh, that seat at Haas? I've kind of heard so, a little rumbling that that Illet is not being considered for that seat. Correct. Or yeah, I, the rumor is that Illet. Yeah, I-Lot. yeah. The uh, the rumor is that Mick Schumacher is going to get that seat, uh, which would be a little bit interesting. You know, you, you would imagine, especially if Mick wins the GP2 officer, oh, God, my GP2 for, <laughs> Formula Two championship. You know, he's the big dog of the Ferrari Academy. And for them to put him into the Haas may show a slight change of allegiance between Ferrari and Alfa Romeo and, and Haas there. You know, um, we all know that Ferrari have been very close to Haas since the conception of the Haas team, which is part of the reason that, you know, that they, 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 they were founded. You know, they didn't want to do everything themselves, so they've got this close connection. But, the, you know, going back... You know, twenty odd years. You know, there's always been that close link between Sauber and Ferrari, or Alfa Romeo and Ferrari. Yep. So, Norberto Fontana. Yeah, I mean, they actually have a veto on one of the drivers now. Kimi's, you know, yeah, if he can be bothered, he'll sign a contract. If not, he'll just turn up and race, whatever. Right. Uh, or he'll you know, turn up year, at so. the pub. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, whichever. Yeah. Um, so he'll be at one of the. You know, so Kimi, I think Kimi's going to sign for next year. And apparently, you know, um, they've Giovinazzi's put in some recent, you know, half decent performances the last few weeks, and some, some people in the Ferrari are like nah, he's not doing too bad. So maybe that, only, you know, would you then put Isla and Mick Schumacher in a Haas? You know, two rookies. Oh, that's a big stretch. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I think I think they want to keep for... Schwartzman in Formula Two for another year. You can't. You where's the benefit from keeping Mick or Isla in Formula Two for another season? I, I can't see a benefit there. So realistically, Ferrari would want to push both drivers into a seat. And if if they decide to go Giovinazzi and keep him at, at uh, Alfa Romeo, then realistically, the only destination is to put both of them um, at Haas, and that's a big ask of Haas. You know they. They mm-hmm. do seem to lose their way with development a couple of, you know, times. I think, remember, was it last year or the year before where they they came to one of the races with all of these new upgrades and it made them like a second slower and it took them half a dozen races and, you know, all Grosjean was saying was get rid of these updates and eventually they got rid of them and they got quicker. Um, so you need an experienced driver like that. So it would be a huge ask to go with two rookies in a team. I can't remember the last time a Formula One team actually had two rookies at that level. I mean, it's a huge risk. So Maybe Toro yeah. Rosso, back when Leo Zinz got speed. Maybe or um, Cater and Manor. I think. Oh, yeah. Maybe, oh, yeah. Uh, Sebastian Vettel and Sebastian Bourdais, both rookies at the same time. Oh, yeah, wait. Bourdais yeah. knew his mm-hmm. way around the car, didn't they? You know. Well, a little bit, um, yeah. He could have. 
got on a podium at Spa 08, but he, he kind of sunk it at when the conditions started to get wet. Yeah, um, but I mean, it'd be, it'd be a big, a big ask for them to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I've got a lot of time for Giovinazzi. I think he's a good driver. Easy. He's had a year and a half, but you know, the end of the season, I'll have two seasons in Formula One. Has he done enough to warrant a third season? I don't. I, uh, I don't think. At my end, I don't necessarily think so. But I'll consider what you mentioned because, she, because when it comes to Giovinazzi, he's kind of like a, right still with me, and he's just their category. But going yeah. into Portugal, I'll probably keep a close eye on him, whether I'm yeah. at the he house rem- or in California. <laughs> he reminds me a lot of Felipe Massa in many ways. You know, he's... What, his tenure is sober, right? Yeah, he's a good number two, you know. Oh, and, we're talking about this Ferrari yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you be also, you look at you know, Ferrari, actually, and, you know, I think... The reason they want to keep Kimi is that that's a benchmark. You know, they know where Kimi is, you know, because they've got enough data. You know, Ferrari have got data coming out their ears with Kimi. So whoever they put up next to Kimi, they have a comparable. They say, okay, well, look, Kimi may have lost a tenth or two since he's left Ferrari, since he's left Ferrari. But if Giovinazzi can't keep up with him or can't outscore him, then he's never going to outscore uh, Charles Leclerc or whoever it may be in the future. So they've got that like baseline to compare them against. And it's the same thing that Red Bull are doing. Red Bull are uh, openly considering Hulkenberg, I think, for Albon's seat next year, if Albon doesn't improve. Yeah, and I've and, heard Paris to Williams. Yeah, I th- Paris to yeah. Williams is what I heard, yeah, which would put George Russell out on the street. I think it would. Yeah, that's been the sudden development, which will be an absolute travesty yeah. because – yeah, it's Russell's not that long ago we yeah. were thinking Russell may be replacing Bottas in 22, but now we're well, looking at him as probably yeah, as the odd I man think, out. I think in all fairness, George Russell's done enough over the last two years to, within the Mercedes camp, warrant oh. that. Oh, for um, sure. he Nobody yeah, can level. beat him in qualifying. He's been no. undefeated so far. Yeah. But you look at, um, you know, going back to Hulkenberg thing, <laughs> Red, Red Bull have a direct comparison. They know what Danny Ricciardo was like against Verstappen. And then when Verstappen and Hulkenberg drove against each other at Renault, they've again got a comparison. So they know where Hulkenberg would be against Verstappen. Pretty close. You know, not, you know, obviously it's not an exact sense, but I'll tell you, he'd be closer than Alex Albon is in all fairness. No disrespect to Alex Albon there. He's a very, very talented driver. Oh, for, but yeah. he hasn't, again, has he done anything that has no. made you sit up and go, Phew, yeah, this guy's, you know, you can't win a Constructors' Championship with one driver, which... No, we saw with Benetton in 94, too. they couldn't... Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Schumacher you know. was one-man show, and then 95, well, Herber was serviceable yeah. with Michael. Exactly. So I think that, um, you know, it... it, it um, there's still these undecided moves in the Formula 1 paddock, and I think Red Bull has said they want to make a decision by the Turkish Grand Prix, which is in three weeks, four weeks, maybe. I think it said after uh, Imola. Yeah. I don't know if it's a week or two weeks after Imola before Turkey. I think it's two. Because I don't so think they're probably doing back-to-back getting back-to-back into weeks new... anymore, except for Bahrain. Well, well they've got back-to-back now. So there's, they're in uh, the Algarve this weekend for Portugal, and then next weekend's in Imola. Oh, and Imola's a two-day weekend because of the transportation time to get everybody safely into Italy. Um, and then I think there's a two-week break before Turkey. So uh, it's all starting to sort of ramp up. So it'd be interesting to see what that call is uh, at Red Bull. But it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they picked Hulkenberg. I think that'd be a smart move. They've got no, a benchmark. He's, uh, and, uh, yeah, he's uh, been pretty, pretty impressive in his uh, substitution yeah. role. So. And he'll finally get that elusive podium if he goes to Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? That'd be fantastic. He deserves it. Yeah. But on the on the Perez, I've seen a little bit of that. Perez going to Williams as well. Um, if that did force George Russell out, which would be, you know, incredibly unlucky, you've got to remember it didn't do guys like Alonso any damage. You know, Alonso was with Minardi and then went to be a test driver for uh, Renault for a year before he went, you know, stepped up again. So a year out now, as long as the teams can manage it well, 
isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it oh. puts a little bit of pressure on Hamilton and Bottas because, you know, Toto or whoever it is can turn and say, hey, we've got this guy sitting here right behind you. You know, yeah. come on, lads. See, you know, the latest especially... podcast assured that Toto is sticking around with Mercedes. Yeah. I mean, sign the contract. I mean, Hamilton still hasn't signed the contract. Yeah, that's the thing. So, he still has to um, sign it, but all signs said that he probably wants to pursue that eight championship in 100 wins. Oh, oh, of I, course, I yeah. So anyway, guys, we, we've got about a Sorry. minute. We've got about a minute left, so we're we're off to Portugal, which is this is a this is a new track, right? Yep. Um, for yeah, Formula One, yeah, it's been around about fifteen years, yeah. Right, right, but it's not it's not the Portugal of old that. Uh, and it's not Estoril, no. It's not Estoril, yeah. Estoril. Not Estoril, yeah no. So, uh, but this is the first Formula One race there. So, uh, realistically, Correct. who do you like for the race other than Lewis Hamilton? No, Verstappen. And Louise. Uh, I go with Verstappen as well. All right, I'll I'll go with uh, Hamilton and say he uh, he takes the all-time record because um, it's hard to bet against Lewis uh, any day of the week, isn't it? So, but uh, yep. I mean, big big weekend of racing. We've got uh, you know all three NASCAR series of Texas, the IndyCar season finale, and and Formula One in Portugal. Um, I hope everybody enjoys the races uh, this weekend. We'll all talk to you next week, uh, break those down. But uh, until then, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Spreakers. I want to thank you, Louise, Richard, and Seth. Seth, who's already left us. But uh, until next week, good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.